Welcome to Quilting Business Success, the podcast where we interview quilters just like you who have turned their passion for quilting into a profitable long-arm quilting business. I'm your host, Andrew Weaver, and in each episode, we'll bring you stories of quilters who have the same doubts and fears that every quilter has when they think about pursuing their quilting dreams. But these quilters moved forward anyway, despite their fears, and today, you'll hear their stories. Okay. All right. So here we are. We are live. And uh, over the next couple of minutes, we'll have people coming in. Uh, sometimes people will miss the very, very beginning of what we do because they're all trying to cram themselves in through the electronic doorway and find a seat. And uh, there's no assigned seating. Just take whatever seat you find. There is, um, I've actually not been on the side of the screen of being a person attending, but I have something on my side called Q&A. Um, it may also be called chat or something else on your end, but I see something called Q&A. That is for the audience, for the people who've come. Um, if any time along the way, while we're talking, if you have a question that you would like to ask, um, go ahead and type it in there. Um, I'm, I'm, I don't necessarily read all the questions, uh, but um, we do get some good questions from time to time. A lot of times I will also include your first name if, uh, if it's there on the question. And, uh, and we we'll do our best to check them from time to time. Yeah, and you can ask him at any time, but it doesn't mean I'll check it right away. <laughs> so um, I'm Andrew Weaver. Um, I've been in the gamble world about 10 years uh, since I started as a dealer a long time ago. Um, I've got Bobby Ware here with me. Yep, I'm Bobby Ware. I uh, work in tech support and uh, help people keep their machines humming along nicely. And uh, I've been with Gamble about five years. Mm -hmm. Yep, and we really enjoy doing this webinar and and grilling you guys on what you what you learned and what your experience has been with uh, becoming a successful long arm quilter. So uh, let me, uh, uh, Andy, I I I'm gonna put you second or last, or you'll be the first second, uh, <laughs> and. Uh, We'll take uh, Dwayne and Jan first. Uh, they are a couple, although they are not in the same place at the same time. So that's why they're on separate screens. And before we got started, I made sure to to insist with Jan that if uh, Dwayne says anything incorrect, that she'll correct him. And she graciously agreed to do that. She's holding him accountable. Yeah. So I'm just going to start out with my first question, which is, uh, where is home for you? So we are currently living in St. Genevieve, Missouri. Um, just recently moved into an old farmhouse while we're building our, our new house. That would be your dream house, correct? Yes. <laughs> Very nice. And how long have you guys been uh, doing long arm quilting? We started in 2015, uh, at Christmas of 2015 and started our own little long arm business. When we started it specifically, 
as a business um, and just kind of worked our way up from there. Why did you decide to start a long arm business? I mean, there's, you could have started a different kind of business. It, well, uh, almost solely on the fact that I watched Jan and my mother waiting six months to get a quilt quilted and um, there's, there appeared to be a, a need or an opportunity there to for the first thing. And since um, I'm married to a quilter, uh, um, I was always at quilt shows and I would look at the quilts for a while and then I'd be over messing with the long arm machines and I was always just fascinated by the long arm machines. Mm -hmm. So when you first, you first got into the business, you kind of saw an opening or a need and you just jumped right in. Yes, I found, I personally found myself unemployed. Um, I was worked for Boeing for 36 years and uh, they offered us a package to retire. So I accepted that package and then I needed, I personally needed something to do. And I thought this was a great little business <clears throat> that her and I could do together. And mm -hmm. anytime Jan wants to jump in and elaborate <laughs> on that. <laughs> all true, all true so far. Mm -hmm. So your, your significant other had a lot to do with the fact that you didn't go into something like carpentry or something other than quilting. Yeah, well, I thought it would be a neat little business that her and I could do together, you know, and I was never intimidated by a machine. In fact, I was fascinated by this machine and saw, uh, ju uh, you could just see all the opportunity there, you know, you could see the potential in the machine, not knowing anything other than what I just seen it shows, you know, and uh, I thought this is, this is awesome machine. So which model did you start with then? So we bought a we bought a Statler, a 30-inch Statler right off the bat um, to, to, to build a business around. Mm -hmm. And we looked at all the machines and I said, this is the one. And my significant other says, well, we need to look at all of them. So we looked at all of them and we decided this is the one. So Jan, did you have any hesitation about the choice of the Gamel? I'm guessing it was the most expensive machine you looked at of all the different ones. Yes, but it really wasn't um, a hard decision because if you the other machines at that time, plastic, lightweight, didn't look like they would be substantial for a lifetime. So, and Dwayne was dead set on getting this machine, it, uh, just uh, the quality that's in the workmanship was a selling point. Mm -hmm. Have you, uh, do you have the same machine today or have you traded up or added an upgrade to it or anything like that? We have the same machine. We added uh, the Ascend to it, which is wonderful. It um, is, can do the edge to edge faster and even more precise if that's possible. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, 
how did you know there was enough long arm business available in your town to support another long arm quilter? Dwayne already kind of alluded to that. Was there any doubt in your mind, Jan? It initially at first, um, I thought, well, gosh, she needs their quilt quilted and people, we put a couple of ads in the, the local paper. Uh, we took some nicely quilted uh, custom quilts to our quilt guild and people just showed up. So we had no problem so you, uh, recruiting customers. So you, you found it was the recruiting of new customers was uh, pretty easy for you or I mean, yes. did you have to put out a lot of advertisement? Uh, tell us a little um, bit about that. Did you already know where to go? or? So tell where we lived in uh, New Melly, Missouri, they have a little local uh, paper, and we put an ad in that, and we made a Facebook page and a website. And like I said, we're, we were already in a quilt guild, and we joined another one. And because we weren't real busy initially, we had done some custom quilting, which, you know, when you bring a beautifully quilted quilt in, it you get lots of customers. And um, eventually we had to stop advertising because I could not keep up with all the people and I had a backlog and... I, um, we don't advertise. Well, that's, a good, that's a good problem to have. You had to stop yes. advertising. Yes, but uh, we try to get them in and get them out. But especially with custom quilts, they take um, a long time. So the edge to edge is is where your money is at. Mm -hmm. um, about how many hours per week do you spend quilting for other people these days? So I don't quilt like a nine to five job, um, depends on what I'm doing. I might quilt a, an hour or two or do some prep work. Um, it, I might quilt for 10 or 12 hours um, weekly. It, it just varies. Right now, it's kind of weird because uh, we're living in a rental and um, I just stopped taking quilts because of that we were moving and we ended up setting up the machine, but there's other stuff going on. So this is not typical. Mm. So you have a little bit of freedom in uh, your time and everything with that. Well, you can always be the lady that says, sorry, it's going to be six months, you know, and if they want to leave it with you, they leave it with you, you know? Yeah. But, you know, and I don't know how about others feel about this, but I don't want a bunch of quilts in my house just sitting here waiting. So um, that's a stress, but. Um, I'm laughing with you, Jan, not at you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you can relate to some of this. <laughs> we yeah. don't have air conditioning in this little rental, so my glasses are like fogging up. <laughs> um, so when you uh when you got your machine uh how did you come up with the funds to to buy it i mean was that was that because duane got a severance from his job or did you have to borrow money we uh took it out of our uh, retirement savings we talked about financing and you know but that's just ended up how we did it mhm mm mhm mm 
um so then you didn't you didn't have to keep track of like how long it took to pay off the machine or anything like that so because it was it, all it would have been it it would have been because what we talked about like paying paying ourselves back or or reinvesting it in something but it it would have taken about 18 or 19 months hmm. uh quilting full-time one of us quilting full-time mm -hmm. so i got uh, a question i have is um uh you know since we're talking to a lot of our target audience is people that are either starting a quilting business of their own or are looking at the possibility of doing that. Um, do you, you mentioned edge to edge. Uh, do you like do all edge to edge? Do you do some, uh, you know, custom quilting? Uh, what, what about that? My majority is edge to edge. I do take custom quilts. Um, not as much as, uh, People are always looking for custom quilters, um, but I would do like one a month and I would tell people I've already got three custom quilts. So I'm, I'm busy until the end of the year, because as you, you may not know, or you may know, but um, it takes more time than an edge to edge. And while you're quilting that custom quilt, you can't do an edge to edge with one machine and you have to charge enough to compensate for that and I don't feel like you can hardly compensate for that we charge mm -hmm. by square inch I know some people do hourly and uh or we'll just do a give a quota price and do it for that mm -hmm. one thing that I have seen some people do is if they have two machines they'll run edge to edges on one and do custom on the other and that seems to be a, a nice compromise for those that have the space mm -hmm. uh, and the desire to have two machines. Um, about, about what would you say is your total charge for an average queen size quilt? I know different parts of the country, some people are going to be shocked at how little you charge. Other people will be shocked at how much you charge. But what would you say? Um, well, we were charging two cents a square inch for a pattern. Plus we um, charge batting if they don't bring their own and we charge thread a uh, dollar a square yard. And we also charge what we were calling a setup fee, which is um, pressing the back, making it square, loading it, uh, the needle. And I would say a, a queen size quilt with a pattern, including batting and thread, probably be about 260. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and about how many um quilts uh would you say how many quilts uh, would you say you do in a year and like if you could think of uh, over these past uh, few years that you've been doing this what has been like your worst year the worst amount that you've done and just tell us about that amount of quilts and revenue well that. the first I'm sorry, the first year, definitely we were just getting started. We did a lot of charity quilts and my quilts. So definitely uh, didn't make any money the first year. And then this last year with moving, it's made a big dent. But um, in general, maybe 150 quilts a year. Um, and most of the quilts are either um 
not crib, but um, like throw size, size, throw size, yes, or queen size. We I think we've done a few king size and one cow queen king, um, and some crib quilts here and there. But a lot of people are comfortable doing crib quilts on their own machine. Um, but queen is probably the dominant uh, quilt size. Mm -hmm. And just and your perception of uh, time, like over the year, when you look back and see that you've produced this many uh, quilts, um, do you feel like you have like just been plugging away and working, investing lots of time, or how does it feel time wise? Like sucking up a lot of your life, or tell tell us what you th what your feeling is on that. Well, initially I was still working, so I didn't retire until January of 2020, like 10 seconds before the COVID shutdown started. Yeah. So, you know, when you're trying to squeeze in something after work or on weekends, you know, with your regular job, but after I retired it, because Dwayne had started working at Gamble, you know, then I have all this free time, it feels like. So a lot more time to quilt, to quilt. And like I said, you can get up in the morning and quilt for a while. Um, you can uh, quilt, you know, after dinner, you can quilt till midnight. So uh, you, have, you can just uh, make your schedule your own. Do you, uh, do you have uh, other services that you offer like binding or piecing a backing or making making a t-shirt quilt or have you, have you dipped a toe in any of those different services? Um, the only thing of that I haven't done is making t-shirt quilts. Um, I, of course we quilt them and um, I definitely have pieced backings. I have, we do bind. Um, I've even, I, we've even hand binded, hand binded, hand bound a couple of quilts just because it called for it, but we do charge for that, of course, um, I press quilts, I press backs, whatever it takes to make the quilt look nice. Mm -hmm. I prefer a back when I put the back on for it to be pressed and square. So I will do that. It really doesn't take me very much time to do that. And I feel like I have a better result. Well, yeah, it's better than fighting it the whole way through. We've done vintage quilts um, where we've taken in vintage quilt tops and washed them and and quilted them, you know, very gently because like even though they they probably should have been hand quilted, we're we're like um, if we don't quilt this quilt, it'll never be a quilt. It'll always just be a quilt top, you know and uh, very gently quilted those. So that's that's interesting aspect as well. Mm -hmm. Well, t talking, uh, uh, since we are talking to uh, uh, potential and actual quilters, business building quilters, um, what would you say, uh, if, if you could pick out what would be some of the hardest parts of producing and growing a business like you're doing? Um, for me, it's valuing yourself. Uh, you know, initially I was like, oh, nobody's going to want to pay that much or whatever. And 
Um, now it's like for custom quilts, we started off like three and a half cents and we just kept bumping it up. It, you know, if you don't value your time, uh, nobody else's either. And um, I quoted somebody a custom quilt the other day and she didn't even blink an eye and I inside I'm going, oh my gosh, you know, <laughs> so you, you're providing a service and people want it and you're good at it. So don't underestimate yourself. Preach sister, preach. <laughs> I, I think it's important to point out too that you you didn't overvalue your time at the beginning, you undervalued it, but you also um, learned a lot about yourself and about quilting. And at the point that you are today, you've earned that paycheck because you're a journeyman quilter, right? You've, you've put in the, the hours at the machine to learn how this job should be done. And so perhaps as a beginner, you might not have, justifiably commanded the price that you can command today i'm just i'm just you know saying there that um, experience does count for something yeah experience is a teacher for sure and we've made all the mistakes you can make um and won't make them again mm. i've made so many mistakes and learned from them i'm thinking about making a few more <laughs> mistakes are, are they're actually valuable because they are one of life's greatest teachers I, I, as she was saying that i was wondering and maybe everybody on this uh program if there's do you think there's a balance between when you first start out she talked about value valuing her time uh versus over overkill uh with the pricing i don't know do you what do you guys think well we first when we first started out i think that we uh like we're on, i didn't want the business to fail so i worked a lot of hours you know and while the quote was quilting i was exploring creative studio and and seeing the features like circular array and and the things that you could do in there and just um we just tried to make it as good as we could make it you know put the customer in the quilt first figuring that if you take care of the customers they'll come back that's what that's what you were doing yeah there was uh, i mean and it was um, we spent a lot of time before we ever took any paying customers in the beginning because we you don't get a, a, a second chance at a first impression. So when we started and we put ourselves out there, we wanted it to be good quality work, you know, and then from there you could you could build your business. Mm -hmm. What is what is one change in technology that makes it easier today? than it was when you started. Jim? I'm thinking, I mean, I had already said that the uh, the Ascend is helpful. You can quilt a lot faster um, and it's very precise. You don't give that up for quilting faster. 
um, and just more experience and being comfortable. Uh, we've done a lot of uh, creative studio education, um, going to workshops and retreats and uh, cruises. So I'm more comfortable using the software. And if there is an issue, I know how to work around it or do something, you know, to control it. If we somebody feels like in, in CS6 and then jump to CS7. So that, that was a huge impact. Yeah, and, and speaking of that, uh, jumping from CS6 to CS7, um, do you feel like the education that you um, availed yourself of, has that been a big advantage to you? And do you think that would be um, an advantage to other people who are learning how to use this software? Well, I will say that I was um, used a computer at work and thought I was proficient, but uh, I was completely lost and just uh, it was not uh, insurmountable that, you know, you just learn and learn and learn and uh, somebody who's more familiar with uh, computers or CAD probably wouldn't um, be, uh, you know, have as much of an issue, but I learned how to do it. I think I'm pretty good at it. And if I can do it, anybody can. So who was your biggest cheerleader or your support system when you were building this business? Was it each other or did you have kids or parents or other people that were in your life? Yes, all of, all of the above. Um, now that we've moved closer to my mother-in-law, she she definitely is. So um, everybody knows, you know, that I'm a quilter and uh, she's great. But everybody has been supportive. My guild, you know, just people will um, have their quilts quilted just to see what we're like and want to support us. So what is uh what would you say is one thing that you wish somebody had told you when you first started out on this journey? Hmm. Value yourself. I think I alluded to that earlier, uh, Dwayne. There's going to be some quilts with some wavy borders. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like the oh, voice of experience. Yeah. Some quilts. Yeah. Deal with we, it. There's we have learned I've learned all kinds of little tricks for that. And even to take a tuck in the um in the uh border that you can't even see because that was the only way that it was gonna work. So without taking the border off. Yeah. Which we've done. I didn't use I didn't used to know what <laughs> piano too. keys were when I first started. Now I see wavy borders and I'm just like, hmm, piano keys would look great there. <laughs> uh, what kind of impact has the quilting money and the control over your personal schedule made in your life? Well, for me, it's great. I uh, am a retired uh, nurse practitioner and I work uh, eight to five, you know, for 40 years and it's great not having to get up at a certain time like you know six in the morning um 
before that, I worked as a nurse and I worked all the holidays and weekends. And it's great not having to do that. I can plan my day. Um, and, you know, the money is not as much as I was making, but th it, there's a trade-off, but I enjoy it a lot more. I sleep better. Mm -hmm. How about you, Dwayne? Did, um, it, it, in the beginning, it, it was nice not to, again, not to have to, to go to work or go to a set job, but um, I spent a lot of time in the beginning uh, just just getting the business started and trying to quilt proficiently. Mm -hmm. I'm going to switch gears here and look at the uh, questions that have come in. So... This one's a great one from Corey uh, asking Jan, how much is your setup fee? Oh, $4. And no wow. one has ever blinked an eye at that. And I tell them, you know, that's to make to the, the backing is never square. And I, that's to square up the backing and press it. And uh, every quilt gets a new needle and that helps pay for that. Mm -hmm. And no one's ever uh, questioned it. Mm -hmm. I have a question from Cynthia asking, uh, how about how many quilts do you have in the queue at a time? Right now, because we are in the process of moving, I have, let's see, two customs, no, three customs and two on the way. But at one point I had uh, 30 quilts uh, in the queue and that's when I stopped taking quilts mm -hmm. because eventually I would get to them, but just that hanging over your head. And uh, I had a whiteboard in the basement. I would write everybody's quilt down, you know, so I knew who was next and coming down the basement steps and looking at that every day was, was stressful. So I, I don't mm -hmm. try to take more than like uh 20 back up at a time mm -hmm. and you know um as yeah. you say, pe people say lot. they're gonna yeah well people say they're gonna bring a quilt and then they bring four so um that's happens a lot or you quilt one and they want to see how you do and then they'll come back with a bunch so mm -hmm. if you pass the test so mm -hmm. um are there any specific online tutorials or Gamel instructors on custom quilting in CS7 that you recommend? Well, always the, I'm sorry, always the Gamel videos. And I have gone to um, workshops and I went to Quilting with Confidence, uh, the initial, uh, the initial run. And then I've um, gone to one, if I went to one this year, I went on the cruise, anywhere I can take a class, I always learn something. And, you know, you think, oh, I, I'm pretty good at this. Never, never something you can't learn or learn to do a different way. Mm -hmm. And I, I agree with that. If I could say, um, I, I talk to a lot of uh, quilters uh, every day. And one of the main issues tends to be that they just need more education they need to have a better grasp on what they're doing um i know that um uh some of those courses that we have available in uh 
uh, on the website. Yeah, gammaleducation.com. Those are invaluable, especially the uh, uh, ones, what are they called for beginners? Uh, and that's if for somebody that's just getting into it, that's a, a, a very valuable asset to uh, avail yourself of. Mm -hmm. So the last question that we have before we uh, switch gears and start grilling Andy, he's had it pretty easy here, uh, <laughs> is uh, is that um, so all those years ago that you first got your gamel and started on this journey, uh, what advice would you give to someone who wants, you know, who sees herself or himself in your story and wants to, you know, maybe try to do something similar? What would you advise them? Um, if you want to do it and it will work, you have to put the work in, but, um, a lot, you know, it's quilting, so it's fun. Um, do it. And do you believe it's still possible for somebody to do what you did? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I believe that there's way more quilts out there to quilt than there are good quilters. And, and I Amen. always believe that. And I am like in our area, there's several long arm quilters and I never worry. I never even think about competition so much because there's, there's just enough out there that it, it really makes very little difference. Well, think of all these quilt tops that are living in bags right now. I mean, mm -hmm. that haven't been quilted. There's, there's more of them in bags than, than there are ones that have ever been finished. They're just sitting there. It's sad. Lonely quilt tops. <laughs> Sounds like a charity. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds like a good way to scam some free quilt tops from people. <laughs> All right. So so uh so Dwayne and Jan, uh stay on uh with us because some of these questions that might come in would uh, appeal to you guys. Um but let's let's switch gears. Talk to Andy. Andy, what part of the country are you in? What do you call home? I live in Morris County, New Jersey, which is um, we're about an hour from New York, two hours from Philadelphia. Mm -hmm. Is and, it is it a rural area? And there's no part of New Jersey that's really super rural in the way I'm from the Midwest, where I think of that as being very rural. It, it is rural for New Jersey, where I live. Mm -hmm. um, but it's it's not as rural as other parts of the country. It's certainly very pretty horse country here, um, mountainy, lots of quilters. That term rural is a very relative term. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, well, Dr. Andy, uh, how long have you been doing um, long arm quilting? Sure, I started in 2018. Um, I was a School. My, my PhD is in theater education. And so I'd been teaching at universities and at schools and um, I got sick actually. I had a gallbladder issue and I was working on, um, I was in the hospital and I was bummed out because I didn't have time that summer to quilt. And my husband said, why are you going back to school in the fall? Why don't you stay home and quilt? And I had never thought about like, why am I going back to school in the fall? Um, and so we had saved some money for um, to renovate part of our house. And instead I bought a gamble. 
Okay. In, 20, in 2018. And that's how I started. So you, he must have known you wanted the mission. I mean, oh. had you been looking at him for a while or how, how did this happen? I'd been looking at him for a long time. I am. Um, I don't do anything by half measures usually. Um, and so I had started looking at machines at first to quilt my own quilts. Um, I had some quilts and shows and I was, my mom's a quilter, so I was, she didn't like quilting. So I was quilting hers um, just free motion at a domestic machine. And I did a couple quilts and people really liked them. And so I started doing some of their quilts at my sit down domestic machine and realized that this was silly. I should invest in a long arm, if for nothing else, just to do my own quilts and some of my friends' quilts. And maybe someday when I retired from the university, I would, I would start long arming maybe as a retirement plan. Um, but then the pandemic happened. <laughs> so, right. um, and I decided that I loved quilting. I really loved quilting. And I was just as artistically and satisfied as I was quilting as I was directing plays. And so I changed gears, made a left turn and um, started quilting for other people. Mm -hmm. So was the Gamel machine the first machine that you ever got or did you start with another one and then? Nope. Um, I saw, I met Lori Clayton at uh, a show a hundred years ago. And I had tried all the machines, a lot like Jan did. And um, I, they all felt like toys to me. They didn't, I mean, I'm a big guy and I just thought I would break something else if everything felt too slow and too silly. And um, I went over and I talked to Lori and she was very, very kind. And at that point I was, it was still a few years away from making the purchase and Every time I went back to the show, I'd stop in and see Lori and say, this is the machine. So when it was finally time to buy one, I knew exactly what I wanted. And um, I called Lori and placed an order that day. Mm -hmm. And did you start with a computerized or a hand guide? Yeah, I started with the 30 inch Statler. I knew always that if I was gonna quilt for other people, even in a small way, that I wanted that edge to edge capability. Um, I have a friend who has a shop here in New Jersey, and she has um, a machine that doesn't have robotics of any kind. She does pantographs and stuff, which is fine, but it was not, it, I didn't enjoy it. I didn't like it. Mm -hmm. um, it's hard work. Yeah. And it wasn't, it didn't, it didn't speak to me at all. Um, and I'm also a tech guy. I like, I like gadgets and tech. And so I found that, um, my ideas for quilting, I could bring them to life more with um, the Statler than I could without it. So mm -hmm. I knew that from the get-go, I, I had to have the robotics and I'm glad that I did because it took me a while to learn them and learn them well. Mm -hmm. Well, and, and those of us here on this call, I mean, for the audience, you may not know this, but um, with the things that you can do in the Creative Studio software, if you have an artistic bent, yeah, um, it's incredibly satisfying. Yeah. If you don't have an artistic bent, that's fine. There's lots of beautiful pattern designers and you can mm -hmm. buy their patterns and right. and it'll look gorgeous. But especially if you're at all creative, um, 
it um there's nothing you can't do if you can yeah. imagine it you can you can quilt it um so andy when you first started um how did you uh find customers and how did you start building your customer base how did that work i was moonlighting at a quilt shop teaching um piecers and um that kind of thing um your sort of standard um quilt shop classes um half square triangle night and that kind of thing and i had a lot of regulars that were coming back for my teaching and um that was really great and so some of those ladies i knew i could i could i could quilt some of their quilts i hadn't been real active in the guilds um but i'd gone to some there's a lot of guilds in north jersey there's probably five or six regular guilds that meet here within just 15 or 20 minutes of where i live so i popped into those and i did like jan i started a facebook page and a website and within about two weeks, I had more quilts than I knew what to do with. Um, I was really overwhelmed. And I went downstairs, and that's where my, my studio is in the basement. And like, I guess a lot of us have our studios in the basement. And I, my husband came down after a couple weeks of these long days and late nights and said, what are you doing? Like, why are you? you've become a factory worker you know what's the, this isn't why you got into this and so i took the website he was right i took the website down and um it was right about then that the pandemic happened and that gave me kind of a reprise i had some customers um some good customers but i also had some time to get better at my craft to really focus on it um, and I, I still use customer quilts, but I didn't turn them over real fast. They took a lot longer for me to, to get good at. Um, I did some of my own quilts. I did quilts for my family. Um, and that gave me some time to, to develop into really knowing CS. And, and like Andrew said, I could learn how to do all the creative fun stuff. It wasn't just edge to edge. And when I did have edge to edge, I knew how to manipulate it so that it could do it better so it could do it in my way um, and all that kind of stuff so having that that time to really learn um, was invaluable and made me a lot more confident and so when in the, by the time that was over um, people had seen my quilts and word of mouth one person to the next person to the next person and I was busy again but this time um, I could charge more and I could also take my time. People knew that if they were going to come to me, it was going to take a little longer, but they were going to get something special back and they were willing, willing to do that. I think there's a lot of long armors in my area who will do a fine job and do a basic pantograph of, you know, you pick one of 10 quick and fast and done. Um, but I think the people coming to me want something more. Um, and I decide, and in where I live, I'm very lucky that um, people are willing to pay for it. And so I, that's how I've, I've sort of made my shop a little bit different in that way. I offer some different things that other folks don't do. And it's, it's helped me to build a really um, loyal and wonderful clientele. Mm -hmm. 
how how did you know there was enough long arm business available in your area to support another long arm quilter? A lot of my students were coming to me with problems, like um, they'd have their quilt long arm somewhere, and the tension would be all off for like half the quilt, or the pantograph wouldn't line up, or um, there'd be lots of tucks or something, and so. I spent a lot of time with my own students ripping out other long armors work. Um, and so I knew that that was, um, at least for, for them, <laughs> there were people who were, were looking. Um, and I think that's, I don't think that was all the long armors fault. I think, um, I just think there's a lot of demand in this part of the country and there wasn't enough, there weren't enough people doing the work well. Um, so not to say that there wasn't people doing good work. There were, there are, it's just, there was, uh, there seemed to be um, a few holes. And at the same time, a lot of quilt shops, like everywhere in the country were shuttering, um, closing up. And so we, a lot of those quilt shops offered long arming services. So when they closed, there was, there was more need in the area. So um, I saw that. And I guess, I don't know, I just knew that if I did my best work all the time, and if I, if I did, if I was proud of it, and I did my best work, then people would come back for it. Mm -hmm. And so far, that's been true. You know, really put the quilt first, the customer first. I always tell new quilters that it's not, it's not, it's like only part about the quilting, that's like half of it. <laughs> the other part is really building relationships with the quilters. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that that's, something that I really enjoy and I'm good at. And so that's, that's helped me to build a, a really beautiful network of, of people. Mm -hmm. The quilters, the quilters are by and large, a very, very fine group of people. Oh yeah. Yep. That you like to have in your life. Um, when they value quality, they value precision. They value, they value things that as long armors, we can do well and be rewarded for. <laughs> and mm -hmm. so um, I, I saw, I think that's when you asked me about if I saw the hole in the market, that's what I saw. That people weren't taking advantage of that, like really treating these quilts as something really special um, and then making the quilter feel really special. And it, 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 that, that's really worked for me. Mm -hmm. um... So normally I would ask, how did you come up with the funds to purchase your machine? You explained that you had it saved up. Yeah. Um, did you ever do any calculations on how long it took to pay back your machine or anything like that? Yeah, when I started doing it, when we from when we did the website, so not right away, about six months in. After that, it took about a year and a half, something about that before... I, I say she doesn't owe me any money now. Um, uh, it was it was a, a good year and a half. And I have to say in that year and a half, I did a lot of edge to edge, a lot more than, I still do a lot of edge to edge, but I did a lot more of it um, then. I was not doing very much custom work for other people as I am now. What would you say is your ratio now, edge to edge versus custom? It's tricky because where I live, there's not, there's very few quilters who will even talk about custom, let alone take them on. Um, and so I'm, in some ways, I'm very lucky that I can, I live in a place where people can afford it and where people want it. Um, 
So that's been, um, it's been growing. And I'd say I do one custom to 10 or 15 edge to edge. That's about what it is now. Um, and it seems to be growing in the custom direction. A lot of my edge to edge um, customers will do two or three edge to edge and then sort of save up for a special quilt and then do couple more edge to edge and then a custom quilt. And I've noticed after they do one, they, they want that, that, that second one comes a lot faster. <laughs> they really like that special, um, that special touch when you can do custom. Um, and the Gamel has made that. And since I bought the Ascend last year, and that has helped me to turn that around faster. That's why I can take more custom work is because the Ascend you know, I can turn that You've speed up. You've noticed a significant difference with the- Oh, huge. I used to be able to have to do, if I would, I would do all of my cost, I'd do a custom piece and then all the edge to edge that had backed up and then a custom piece, then all the edge to edge that had backed up. Um, and now that, that time between the two is much faster. Um, I can really get back to the edge to edge a lot faster than before. The edge to edge goes faster, but the custom, and I expected that, but I didn't expect how much faster it makes my custom go. Mm -hmm. And that's just the precision. You know, if I tell it to stitch here, it stitches there. Um, it's pretty amazing. I rolled a quilt yesterday. I did a custom block. I had to unpick some of it, and then I went and did something else, and I rolled the advanced it and back and forth and back and forth. And oh, I have to go back and do that thing again. And I got it lined up and it stitched in the exact same holes <laughs> that it did the first time four hours ago, which, you know, that's to me still, I know it's, it's math and computers, but it's before the stat layer, it would have been, or before the ascend, it would have been close, but not to the whole close exact. And that's, you know, that's, I think that's pretty cool. Mm -hmm. It's magic. It really yeah. is. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So about how many hours a week do you spend doing uh, quilts for other people these days? Um, I do three studio days a week, and then I do two days a week um, that I teach either in my home studio and people come to learn, or I go to other places and do clubs and stuff. Um, I lump that in because most of my customers are coming, especially my repeat customers are coming from my classes and clubs. So it, it's, I, I see it all as one thing, but it's not like I'm standing behind the long arm 40 hours a week. It's, it's broken up nicely that way. So I'd say about three eight hour days. And sometimes I, you know, have a project I'm really excited on, work till midnight, or I'll wake up in the middle of the night and can't sleep and go downstairs and mess around for a while. Um, but I, I shoot for three days a week. And that description that you just gave of, uh, your quilting is kind of tied in with with uh, other things in your life and you you talked about how quilting is not just quilting but it's also no. involves uh, relationships with others yeah. and that that you just said uh, feeds right into that I think you know I, we were talking about um, before this started I, I was at a show a few weeks ago and I overheard um, somebody interested in in, in long arming and she wanted to quilt while her kids were asleep and where her kids were at school and that's it. And she's sort of an extrovert. So working in her basement or an introvert. So not talking to people was really good for her in her basement. And I took her aside and said, you know, that's okay, but you still have to talk to people and you've got to look at, you know, the quilt 
the quilt that you quilted six months ago just got gifted, you know, yesterday. And you've got to look at the pictures. And it's so much easier if you're actually interested than if you're faking it. <laughs> and mm -hmm. that kind of relationship that you build up with people takes time. It takes energy, um, takes time away from quilting. Um, and so I, I think, and I think it's really important to building a business that's going to last, that isn't just, you know, drop off and pick up. I, you know, I'm, I'm a very much a people person too. And, and far, probably far too, um, touchy feely in, <laughs> in the sense of, of, of making the connections with people and really valuing those. But I have met the people and maybe on some of the earlier podcasts when you, or the, the recordings of these, when you go back and listen to them, there are people who, you know, they, they do a, a drop-off pickup, you know, mm -hmm. or, uh, or they build their business around, uh, around, getting the quilt top through the mail. And I think it's kind of interesting how yeah. each and every person ends up building a business that's kind of reflective of, of themselves and their personality, um, utilizing whatever gifts that you have that maybe other people don't have exactly the same gifts. You know, that's for cool. better or worse, there are lots of mail order quilt companies out there right now. Yeah. And um, I the way I think about it is I don't want to charge, you know, less than two cents for my time. I, I don't want to do that. Um, mm -hmm. And if I can, if it means having a cup of coffee with a nice person and making a friend and then getting to do, get, get, do really nice work that I'm invested in. And at the same time, they're excited about, and they're going to tell their friends and tell their, you know, their guild friends and all of that then, you know, I don't have to, like, like Dwayne was saying, we're not really in competition with those people. We're offering something so different. And mm -hmm. so I think, like I say, I think there's room for everybody. Um, but I think that world is a lot trickier to break into than the one that, than the one that I work in. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> I, I just took a peek at the question box here and I see a couple. Uh, Debbie was asking, uh, if your customers are mostly local or if you have a lot of mail-ins and it sounds like local is your niche. I have mostly local, um, but I, I have people who found me. Um, I, I was in, I did the cherry wood challenge a couple of times. Um, and so my, <laughs> I get every once in a while, somebody will see one of my quilts at a show and I'll get an email um, and make a new friend. Um, I'm also pretty active on Facebook in a lot of the guys who quilt group or, machine quilters group and, and those things and so um, I'll find people that way too who aren't necessarily in my area and I love my mother and she's got a big mouth and so I get a lot of people from my hometown <laughs> too, which is fantastic and I, I appreciate those ladies too but um, it's about 90 10 90 percent of my work is right here and 10 percent is from elsewhere and and what would you say your total charges for an average queen size quilt using the same kind of criteria that Jan gave us where she's looking at maybe 240 for a uh, edge to edge like an 80 by 80 something like that um yeah i would say well it all depends right because i i every one of my pieces gets its own um gets its own quote and i don't i do a square inch as a guess um, and then I give a range. So between 250 and 300 
I would say, and they're usually right at that 270 mark. Um, I charge an all-in fee. Um, I, I, I do a, I, I give a ballpark number based on square inches. Um, and then I round down and round up. And then that's, um, I sell one kind of batting or people can go find their own batting. Um, and uh, I don't charge for thread and I don't charge for needles. It's just all part of my services. Um, I charge a lot for binding because I hate it, um, but um, I'll do it if people <laughs> need it. Um, and I've partnered for with the, some- For those listening on the podcast later, we're getting emphatic nodding uh, <laughs> from Dwayne and Jan. They also apparently hate binding. So It's just hard when you've got a pile of quilts and you want to keep going to stop and bind one. And then it's a week later and, oh, I've got to put the binding on that quilt. Um, I've got it down to where I can machine bind pretty quickly, but a lot of folks really want that hand binding and it's just, there's there's no speeding it up for me. Um, I've got a couple late local ladies who are retired quilt shop owners who will do it <laughs> for me in a pinch, um, but it's, uh, binding is not my bread and butter. Um, but I do a lot of extra services that people around here appreciate that I don't see very often in other places so I can raise my price a little bit higher um all my quilts go home in a bag um like a muslin storage bag um they get labels not all of them get labels my custom quilts all get labels that's why I can make sure my name goes on it um the I do a certificate of authenticity for all my quilts. Um, my customers love that. Um, it's it's like a small replacement evaluation and a certificate. Um, they love that. Well, each quilt has its own birth certificate. Yes, yes it does. We, my artist friends do it for their pieces. Um, I've had a few, a lady had a house fire. Um, she was able to use that for her insurance. I had another guy, um, the quilt was used to move a grandfather clock in their move by accident. And it totally destroyed this wall quilt that they had in their house. And he was able to use that for, to get the, the insurance company to pay to replace the, the stuff so we could make it again. Um, so it, it is a, a nice thing. It's also a nice thing when you're giving a quilt to somebody. Um, it's hard to say, you know, this took me a year to piece and cost me $500 in fabric and $600 in quilting. But if somebody else put it in the certificate of authenticity, then it's totally fine. It, so, might, it um, might reduce the likelihood of becoming a cat bed. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and so that's a nice thing. It's also nice when you're donating quilts to have something like that. Um, so I do all that. I do that um, for for my quilts and so my 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 per inch price goes up and it hangs out right about oh four oh four and a half with with all in mm -hmm. so uh jan mentioned that when she went from being a nurse practitioner to being a, a quilter she was okay with a little bit of a, a pay cut probably because of a lot of additional freedom i'm guessing you don't earn the same as a quilter as probably when you were uh teaching but what, how has your best year been and your worst year? It was in the, my husband is, um, I'm very lucky. He has an amazing job. And so I'm, I'm, he's a, he's also a physician and works for a big pharma company. And um, so he's been an incredible supporter of this project. And so I've been able to have the freedom to really let my business, really reinvest back into the business. 
whether that's in studio stuff or machines or more thread or traveling for um, uh, more technology or for classes or whatever. So that's been really great. And I didn't really see, you know, like we weren't really using any of our, um, the income for ourselves until about this year. Um, up until this point, it's all gone back into the business. We're really trying to make it um, something that we're proud of. And then something that like Duane was talking about, something that can have, can be sustained for a long time. Like we've <laughs> really put the work in now to have a real good system that works really well um, and that we're proud of that hopefully will, you know, keep growing. And it's been growing about 20% every year. Mm -hmm. what is something that uh, you wish that somebody had told you when you first started this journey it's okay to say no um you know it's okay i had a when i first started a lady had some cabins and she all the rooms were done in fish themes so there was a bathroom and a trout room and all that and she had these quilts made for the beds, all of them a different fish theme. And um, she wanted to, she's been calling around to find out there was like eight queen size quilts. So I was really excited. This was like my first big, you know, big check. And um, when they came, they were panel quilts and all the borders had been put on, you know, wrong. <laughs> they were small panels with border and border and border and border and border. And they were, you know, trapezoidal and <laughs> waving all over the place. Oh, and I had quoted her, you know, some ridiculously cheap price. Mm. And not only were they not fun to quilt, they weren't neat when they were done. And I spent so much time on them that I lost money that I could have been doing other things. And she was not a customer. She wasn't a quilter. She wasn't somebody who I was going to have as a customer forever and ever and ever. Um, and I should have said no. Um, so I think learning that it's okay, and part of what Jan was saying, building on what Jan was saying, you've got to value your own time. And that's gotta be worth something because if it's not worth something to you, nobody else <laughs> cares. Um, and it's okay just to say, no, I'm not the right fit for you. Um, that's one to put in the mail to so-and-so, or um, you know, somebody else maybe would like to have a crack at this. Um, so that's something I wish I would have known. I think I also wish I would have known that it's, it's also okay to take your time on a quilt. It's okay with a custom quilt if you don't have the right idea for it, or it's not singing to you yet, that it's okay to say to somebody, look, I need some more time to figure this out, or instead of just hurrying to get it done, to get it done. And um, so that's been, for me, the ability to slow down, <laughs> let it sit there for a minute if it has to, um, is a is a okay thing. Giving yourself some grace that way. Mm -hmm. I uh, have a couple more questions from people. Uh, how do you handle people that bring in charity quilts and expect you to give them a discount or do it for free? So I do, remember my system, I do all the, I do a custom and then all the edge to edge and then a custom and then all the edge to edge. Um, I will slip a charity quilt in there at the end of that cycle. 
if I'm not if I'm not crazy busy or have a bunch of deadlines. So the, the what I will say is this charity quilt um, might take me three years to get done. How, and if, how about how about uh, Jan and Dwayne? Uh, same question. How how would you handle people that bring in charity quilts and want it discounted or free? Um, I do do charity quilts for um, our guilds. If someone brings it mm -hmm. in, I discount it. I don't do it for free. If I pick up a charity quilt at, at guild that needs to be quilted, I'll do it for free, but it's usually not even a throw size. So um, I definitely don't, like I said, don't do things for free. No, me either. If somebody wants, uh, wants something done for a charity that I really believe in, um, then I will will do my basic batting and my basic, the, I'll get it as cheap as I can get it. But I, I still, you know, I, I can't do it for free. It doesn't, it's not just that $200, it's the $200 plus the time taken away from another quilt, right? And so it, it gets a become a very expensive donation. Um, and when you explain that to folks, usually they're very reasonable and okay with it, especially if you're giving them, you know, sort of the cost price. Um, and a lot of folks are willing to wait the three years. And, and I, then I use those when I'm teaching. I'll take it on the road with me and I'll work on it on the road or I'll take it to a class and I'll work on it at a class. Um, and, and that works out okay too. Mm -hmm. This is a good question uh, for both uh, parties. Um, we'll start with Andy. How long does it take you to do a queen size quilt? Edge to edge? I'm Before, guessing, yeah. Yeah, uh, with the Ascend, with my, with, with a simple, my sort of lowish, you know, my, the fast patterns. <laughs> um, loops and stars on a queen size quilt goes pretty quick, um, you know, but we, most of, I would say the average couple, two, three hours, um, I had a custom quilt on the frame for three weeks this month, um, and which was queen size. Um, but it was a very special quilt and a really good customer. And um, I learned a lot doing it and she paid for my time. So it, it all, you know, it all worked out. I have 40 uh, quilts now waiting for me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> While I was doing that other one, but. Yeah. Uh, so uh jan the your estimate on a time for a queen because sometimes people don't own a machine yet they don't know how long it takes yeah for to from start to finish and by start taking it out of the bag mm -hmm. ironing the backing which i know a lot of people don't do and loading it um taking a break for lunch i can finish it in a day usually it'll be a day and a half and that's because it's just not the only thing i'm doing um mm -hmm. But yeah, it's amazing. So, and I will trim my quilts. I know some people don't do that, but I trim ready to bind unless they ask me not to. I do the same thing. I think it looks much nicer when you give it back to them and everybody appreciates yeah. it. In the back of the table, um, having, I have the cutting board on the back of my gamel and I'm so glad that they came back because it's, it's, um, it's one of my favorite tools is being able to just 
put some weights on it and cut it straight, which is a lot of folks, especially in the Northeast where space is such a premium. You know, a lot of folks live in two, 300 square foot apartments. They don't have space to, to, to trim a quilt like that. So being able to do that for my customers is a, a very small thing that they really appreciate. Yeah, there's people that don't know that, but we have a cutting mat that is, uh, I don't know the total length. It's over 10 feet. It's, it's amazing. probably close to 12. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, to be able to not have to butt the little mats up against each other and yeah that it's one mat i have um, ladies who bring me their borders and then i will cut them and then i just use my channel locks to put them on and that stitches in the ditch at the same time as you put them on so they're not wavy they're cut straight and because they hate putting on borders i can sometimes charge for that service almost as much as i charge for the quilting so it's there's ways to upsell this um, in a way that, like I say, quilters are happy to pay for, especially if they don't have a king size place to cut a straight border. And this is a great way. It saves me time. It saves them time. And channel locks are an easy way to put borders on. So I do that all the time. All right. Well, We've run a little longer than we planned. We've done this before where we run a little bit long. I wish we had another hour uh, because the, uh, the, the conversation I think is going to be very, very enlightening to not only the people who are here tonight, but people who hear it later. I just, uh, I want to thank uh, everybody for being here tonight. It, it is our goal uh, here at Gamel, our, our mission is to help quilters to uh, bring beauty and and love and warmth into the world and to support you while you do that. And uh, um, I, I think it's it's really helpful to people to, to maybe kind of see you guys as a little bit of a trailblazer. Wait, if he did it, I can do it. Yep. Yeah, and this has been a great crew of uh, people to interview this week. We really appreciate you guys' time with us. And we really appreciate you opening yourselves uh, for the people and, you know, to just kind of give them uh, some inspiration. So thank you very much. Thank you for having most, me. Most welcome. Thank you for having us. All right. Have a nice evening. Thank you. Thanks. Thank Good you. night. Good night. See you guys. Thank you for joining us today on Quilting Business Success. We hope you've been inspired by these stories of quilters just like you who have turned their dreams into reality. If you enjoyed today's show, don't forget to subscribe so that you don't miss any episodes. One of the best things you can do to support us is to write a glowing review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or whatever platform you're using to listen to the show. Those reviews help bring us up in the algorithm so that more quilters are exposed to our show. What would you like to change in your life, and what steps can you take today to bring you closer to the life that you want.